Well, hello, everybody. Uh, now, again, we do this every week, but it's important that we do it. Uh, hello to everyone online, and if you're, if you're watching on TV and you're in comfortable clothes, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. If, if people, this is not my notes, and I don't have a lot of time, but, but sweatpants shorts? Uh, yeah, I just, I just opened up your world if you don't know what those are. And there's someone in sweatpants shorts right now enjoying the sermon more than anyone else. So, uh, so hello online, hello East. Uh, I've got a crew with me. They're going to be especially animated and laugh at every joke, so this should be a lot of fun. Uh, if, if you're just tuning in, though, and you're like, oh, wow, I haven't been to church, and what's this guy about to do? Well, well we've actually been in what we call a series, a, a, a kind of a like-minded kind of set of topics that we've been dealing with, and it's centered on the merry-go-round. I know it sounds a bit odd but go with me, the merry-go-round, this thing on the playground that many of us got trapped on. Someone kept spinning it, wouldn't let us off of the merry-go-round, and it was traumatic for you. In fact, we're going to deal with that trauma here in a minute. Uh, But maybe you did it to someone else, but most of us understand the merry-go-round. If you get caught on it, stuck on it, and getting off of the merry-go-round can either be painful, either relationship-wise or physically, it's a mess. So what we did is we took that and wondered something. Are there merry-go-rounds in life that aren't the actual physical playground thing, but things in life that have you spinning, that have you, call it trapped, where you just can't seem to, use different words, get over it, get, get beyond it, get, get around it, and, and these things that just seem to just, you go, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep dwelling on this? And we've talked about that, comparison, stuff like that. Well, we're going we're gonna to go to perhaps one of the reasons that you're, you're choosing to stay on the merry-go-round. Like, you, you want off, but you don't, and you're choosing to stay on the merry-go-round. Uh, here's the word. You have a grudge. You can go a little bit more wordy, and you're like, you, ha- you have unforgiveness somewhere in your life. You've got, you've got something that, that happened and it affects you. So you hold a grudge. Now, most of like, I don't hold a grudge. I mean, that sounds a little intense, David. Uh, no, if, you, if you're not forgiving someone, that's a grudge. You're, and you're holding it, and it's got you stuck. And so I did some research, and I thought this was funny because some of us are going to have to admit something. Uh, one of the former presidents of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker, I think is his name, if I probably just butchered that, uh, he was in an interview, and no joke, here's what he said. He goes, I carry around with me a black book. And in the black book, what he does is, if you ever hurt him, if you ever do anything to him, like say it, maybe you even don't give him the smile that he was hoping you'd have. No joke, this is real life. I'm not making this up. He confessed it. He even reiterated it later. He writes your name in that book. Some of us are like, whoa, some issues maybe lie there. And then he begins, and he even admitted it, he uses it as leverage. He actually will be in a meeting, has been in a meeting and saying, do you want to make it in my book? I mean, some of us are going, that's kind of toxic a little bit. Well, I think some of us are doing it, we just don't actually write it down on a piece of paper. We just keep the mental note because it doesn't feel as extreme. And that will trap you. 
Now I thought, well, what can we do with this? I mean, unforgiveness, a lot of us deal with it. I could tell you the scientific proof that if you hold a grudge, that you're going to actually have physical problems. Uh, so let's quickly go through this because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but I can tell you about one project that was done where they took three different groups and, and there was going to be a physical thing they had to do. But first they, would t- they told one group, I want you to dwell on, on some time that you have actually given forgiveness. Think about that moment where you forgave someone. The other group, I want you to dwell on absolutely nothing. We're, not gonna even t- we're just going to give you a project later on. So they're like, okay. The other group, what's a grudge that you're holding? Then they asked everyone to stand flat-footed, knees locked, and you had to jump, which, no, I'm not about to do that. But you had to jump five times. What they actually proved, and I'm not joking, the ones with the grudges jumped significantly lower than those who had forgiven people or didn't even have anything to think about. They actually proved physically, physically, if you hold a grudge that there is actual physical thing that happens to you where you are affected by it, then they took it a little bit further. They took two more groups and they were going to make them hike a hill. They gave one group the project of remembering a time they'd forgiven someone. They gave the other group another time uh, that you've not forgiven someone. Think about that. They both had to hike the hill. The group that still held the grudge complained about how hard and tall the hill was. It's interesting to me that it's proven over and over and over and over again that grudges physically affect us. The lead researcher said this about what I just told you. A state of unforgiveness is like carrying a heavy burden, a burden that the victims bring with them when they navigate the physical world. This is real. Forgiveness can lighten this burden. So my guess is we enter this tension of we want to forgive some of the pains and the hurts and the issues that have life played out in life, but we're not sure how to do it or what that means if we do it. So let's start with some basics. Every one of us have something in common. <laughs> this is wonderful, by the way, really trying to do some uplifting stuff with you right now. All of us have been hurt by someone. <laughs> you probably can go back to a pretty young age and remember when you got hurt. I can actually right now remember recesses in elementary school where someone hurt my feelings. I can remember, uh, this is really dating me, but uh, skating parties where another guy got to skate with the girl I wanted to skate with. Still traumatized by that, even though I'm happily married. I know it's weird. But I bet right now, right now, if I asked you which, okay, begin to process things in your life that you're like, that affected me. And you might say that'd be nice, but no, that hurt me. That was, that was difficult. Here's what we all have in common. Every one of us, we've all been hurt. Every one of us. In fact, this is not new. Let me take you to the Bible. And I think this will resonate. The, the words of the reckless pierced like swords. Yay. But, oh Yeah. Nowadays we live, uh, it's interesting, people will say mean stuff and then see that it affects you and then say, why did it mean it that way? Meanwhile, you have a sword in your heart and you're like, but it still hurt. It's fascinating that we've not put a lot of stock in words until we try to hurt someone, then we pull it back when we see the hurt. And here's something you already know. Hurt can create enemies. Maybe you've already been, maybe you've gone faster than I have already so far where you're like, yeah, I've been hurt and you've got names right now on your mind. You've got enemies. 
You've got people that you, you're already beyond what happened and now you're stewing and you're even hating this sermon because you're like, why do you have to talk about that person? See, because you and I have enemies. The enemies are real. Jerks are real. No amen to that. Okay. Right? Yeah. Jerks, there are, there are them. They happen. They are around. If it's one of you, I'm not staring at anyone. I'm looking up right now. Uh, but, but mean people are, are very real. And if you've been hurt, which you have been, you've been tempted to adopt into your life an actual enemy. And you're like, what do you do with that? Okay, let's go back to the Bible. All day long, you plot destruction. Some of you are gonna, you're gonna, you're like, thank you, Bible, for letting me articulate what's in my heart. Uh, your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You probably have someone like this in your life or who has been in your life. Let me take you to another one. For my enemies are whispering against me. And just so you know, enemies don't typically say, you know what? She's really wonderful. You know, no, we know what's going on here. Uh, they are plotting together to kill me. I wonder if you have a grudge. And what's fascinating is they can happen at any moment. And I don't think they actually happen intentionally where you decided and woke up that morning that you wanted to carry a grudge with you for the rest of your life and have this unresolved hurt in your life so that it would be absolutely amazing. It just, I think it accidentally happens. Typically, we don't choose to be hurt, but then it happens. Now we have an enemy. We don't know what to do with an enemy, and now we carry a grudge. And I need to tell you what a grudge is. It's, it's an infected hurt. I think you need to consider that. That if you have a grudge, if you have something in your life that you have actually let stay there, and you're like, well, well, why am I not releasing it? It's not that what they did was so bad because it probably was bad, but if you're holding on to it, it has now become infected. And most of us would deal with something that's infected. Let, let me show you a spiral. This is, like, I didn't come up with this. Professionals did. A hurt when it gets infected. This happens, and you can't control this, Right? Uh, we get hurt and we, and we don't typically choose this. So when you have an infected hurt, this happened. Someone said something, did something, or, or didn't do what they should have. You have this infected hurt. It turns into resentment, which is normal. It's standard. You resent that person, at least for a little bit, or at least the moment. Turns into negativity. Now let's start talking about that person and telling others about what they did so that you have a bit of a teammate and like saying that person's horrible. It turns into discouragement, and now you find yourself in despair and is this spiral that is incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult to stop. That's why you'll meet a lot of folks that internally are so full of pain because they have infected hurts, and we think that if we deal with it that we've minimized what happened. We also live in a culture it's like, well, everyone gets hurt. Everyone has someone do something. And, and it's okay for me to hold it against them because that's how we do this. And it's normal. So here, here's what we're doing. It's, it's easy to justify a grudge. 
you might have already been doing that as I'm talking to you, justifying the grudge that you have. That, like, but David, do you know what they did and why they did it and how they shouldn't have done it, especially if it's someone super close to you, like a parent who didn't parent? You know, like they, they should have. A spouse who didn't spouse like they should have. A friend that didn't friend like they should have. And you're like, but they should have. They said they would. We made an agreement that they would and they didn't. And, and you feel justified in the grudge because the pain is real. But what you don't realize is it's putting you on a merry-go-round. And you're just going to spin. I can fast forward you to life if you're not already there. The more infected hurt you have, the angrier you become. The harder it is to keep a relationship together, the harder it is to parent, the harder it is to have an awesome marriage because you're angry, you got this unresolved stuff, and you're like, I thought the new relationship would fix the old mess up. No. So we need to go to the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus give us so much healing. The wisdom that he brought is so profound if you'll lean into it. So let me, let me show you some stuff that Jesus taught. And I mean, I'm already thinking through what I'm about to read to you through the sermon. And this could be grossly offensive. This should be fun. <laughs> I mean, okay. okay no. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Jesus just said this. You have heard, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Do you know what was not in the law? Hate your enemy. Jesus just said, you have heard, and then he pitched, here's what you've heard. What I want to bring up to you is how easy it is to justify this grudge because you have heard that that's okay to do. You are justified to do this because what happened was so tragic and bad that it's totally cool. Jesus approaches these people and says, you have heard a partial truth. It's easy to read the Bible that way, by the way. I, I have. I mean, I've read stuff in the Bible going, can I cut that out? Do I have permission to like, remove that from my Bible because I do not like that part? That's not a new thing that was happening a long time ago. And the religious leaders, sorry, uh, the religious leaders didn't like the idea of taking care of any enemy. In fact, it felt better to like destroy your enemy. So they actually began to teach to people like you and I. They would say, hey, here's what the law says. Uh, love your neighbor and despise your enemy. Yay. And people thought, that's, that's awesome. I can show you what really was in the Bible. You have to go to the Old Testament. Do not seek revenge. Man, some of you are mad. I just showed you that in the Bible. Or bear a grudge against the fellow Israelite. But love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. Oh, you want me to really mess with you? Huh? Here we go. Let me show you this next one. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey. Now, some of you are going to get so literal being going, that's never going to happen. Okay, can we, can we just say that we need to expand our minds and thinking just a little bit. If, if you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey, your enemy, your enemy, your enemies, that is straight away, kill it. No. 
No, right? Hide it, no. Barbecue it, no, no. <laughs> Take it back to its owner. You got that? I'm just trying to point out like the difference in thinking today versus what the Bible instructs us to do. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you, I hate that. You have, who has collapsed under its load, do not walk by, do not walk by, do not, do not pretend like you didn't see it, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. We don't, we don't like that stuff. But that's the truth from God going, you want to live a free life? He's not trying to be mean. You want to live a free life? Then you have got to deal with your enemies. You've got to wrestle with the pain that you've encountered, more specifically the grudges you're holding and the enemies that you're keeping. So there's a common thing that we do that we should not do. Should I forgive and forget? I know many people who choose not to forgive. You know why? Because they're saying, I can't forget this. I don't want to forget this. It's a normal approach. You're thinking, if I have to completely forget what's going on, then that minimizes it. No way, I can't heal from it. And some of us are like, well, it's impossible to forget even what happened. So that means that I can't forgive if I'm continuing to remember it. Well, let me help. If you think your approach to forgiveness is that you have to forget that it ever happened, I think we can overcome this here. But I say, this is Jesus correcting, but I say, love your enemies. Let me just stop and make a simple observation. How can you love your enemy knowing they're your enemy if you've had to forget that they were your enemy? Just use some like, basic intellect. How can you actually love someone who doesn't deserve it if you've completely forgotten that they don't deserve it? That means there has to be, you can't erase the memory. This is not like just psychology that Jesus is trying to teach. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. How in the world do you pray for someone that is persecuting you at the same time forgetting that they persecute? That's impossible. It means the memory can remain. Your goal does not have to be erasing your memory. We, we find freedom in this because many of us say, I will hold on to the grudge because it will be impossible for me to forget this ever happened. So I have to hold the grudge. No. You just have to do uh, stuff that's really difficult. I'm going to show you something fascinating. Um, but I say love your enemies. I bet most of us think that that's talking exclusively about people who have hurt us. Right? I mean, I think it's standard that if I say you should pray for your enemies, you're like, oh, the jerks, the people that are against me. Okay. No, that's not fully what that meant. It meant the jerks. So let me help those of us who might even be on social media right now. At that time, in, in Jewish culture, if someone believed something different than you, they were your enemy. If someone lived a different way that you lived, they were considered an enemy. It wasn't necessarily super personal, like you and them, and boom, that happened. Sometimes it was, you do what with your life? Oh, we're enemies now. 
it sounds like 2020. And I wonder, I'm not hating on you because I have to wrestle with this. Let's say you believe something different than someone. I know it's a shocker. Have you let them become an enemy? Have you treated them like an enemy? If you are, it's not just 2020. You can go back a couple thousand years. <laughs> so what do we do about this? Here, let's, let's get after what we can do. We don't choose who hurts us, but we choose how we respond. Basic stuff, right? But it's true. You can't choose who, all who hurts you, but you can choose how you respond. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I played Little League uh, growing up. And, and I was amazing. Actually, not so much. I just wanted to tell you that. Sorry, I lied. Uh, I played baseball, loved baseball, wanted to grow up and be a professional baseball player, thought it was like, like all that life like, contained was making it to a professional baseball land and getting rich and playing baseball. It just sounded amazing to me. Well, one particular year, I actually did play really well. And I got to the end of the season, we played a certain team, and I helped win the game. It was awesome. I'll never forget it. It was epic. The next year, I tried out for Little League. You always had to try out, and coaches would actually, there was a draft, and you would get drafted. Well, the coach of the team that I had helped beat drafted me. He wasn't supposed to, actually. My old coach was supposed to draft me, but this guy was first. So he drafted me, and he put me on the bench the whole year. It was a vendetta, in essence. And so I got to watch his son learn even how to play my position, and I would literally sit on the bench. They would put me in left field. I had never played left field, but it was a requirement in the whole league. I had to play two innings a game, so they would put me out there, take me back in. After that year, well, actually, let me give you a little bit more. During, during the games, I would sit in the dugout and I'd cry. I'd beg. My dad would come up. Man, it just still makes me emotional. My dad would come up to the, to the dugout and stand right there, and I would beg him to let me go home. And he'd like, nope. Sit on the bench. I quit baseball that year. I got done with the season, was done with it. I gave it up because... I was so mad at that coach. And I had believed the idea that by quitting baseball forever would do something to him. I don't think he ever found out. How we respond is what we have when someone hurts us. And if you want to get off the wheel, you need to look at how you're responding because you can find freedom in this. So let's go super controversial. <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Only being kind to people who are kind to you does not distinguish you. Let me land this. Grudges are expensive. Even as a guy who is obviously not playing Little League Baseball anymore. If you ever had coffee with me and said, David, what's one of your regrets? Quitting baseball. They're expensive. I wonder what it's costing you. 
uh, there was a teacher. This is this really happened. I checked it. Uh, there was a teacher who wanted to teach this to his classroom, like his literal, like regular school classroom. And he gave him this number, $86,400. He said, hey guys, I just question. Let's say that today I gave you $86,400, which they were all like, uh, this is awesome. Uh, but someone took $10 from you. Would you spend $86,390 to go get that $10 back? Now, you and I are like, uh, no. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. You're like, wait a minute. We're talking real money right now. Eighty-six grand. Like, that's no. And then he began to teach a class. That's actually the amount of seconds in a day. And many of us let 10 seconds in a day cause us to spend the rest of the day spending it on that, trying to get that back. Whew. I want to meet that teacher. So what do we do? When their name crosses your mind, pray for them. If you're, where'd you get that? In the verses I've already read to you, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm not making this up. If you're like, I don't want to do that. Well, then that's fine. You're defying what Jesus taught us to do. <laughs> When their name crosses your mind, like even if, hey, I really want to hurt them and cut their tires today. Uh, when, when their name crosses your mind, when you consider egging their house, whatever, when their name crosses your mind, pray for them. If you want to get off the wheel, pray for them. And then the Bible told us another thing. When their need crosses your path, help them. And do not underestimate the beauty of God that he often brings the needs of our enemies right in front of us. But I don't think we should end this here because some of us need to forgive to get off the wheel. But I think we should end this sermon in another place in the Bible. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I wondered, maybe it's not right now your time to let go of a grudge, but to simply accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ because he refuses to hold the grudge against you. So let me pray for us. And wherever you're at, I'll let God and you walk that out. Heavenly Father, Thank you for meeting with us. I believe, Lord, that, that some of us have a grudge that we have been holding onto. I wonder for even how long. It may have started today. It may have been decades ago. Lord, would you help us when we think of them that we would pray for them, that we would bring them to you. And Lord, if you would ever have us cross paths, especially their needs, that you would help us to meet their needs. And Lord, especially for those of us who have never accepted your forgiveness, may this moment be that moment. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Restore us into a relationship with you. God, you are amazing. Thank you for this lesson, as difficult as it is. Thank you for teaching us and walking with us. In your name I pray, amen.